0: welcome you to another live edition of the sports box brought to you by our sponsor showcase sports in hamilton showcase sports for the elite athlete and by our friends over at crowd play download the free crowd play app today and check them out at www.crowdplayapp.com for details ladies and gentlemen it's showtime
1: Hey everybody! Welcome to the next edition of Cage My IQ on the Sports Box. I am your host D. Bake, joined with me by my co-host Miles Long, yeah. and then joining us for the first time on the Sports Box is Sammy Moore. How's it going, Sam?
2: Hey man, going good, man. I'm just happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: No problem. And how are you doing uh, today, Miles? I'm good. My my room's not a
3: meat locker anymore, so that's a that's a big improvement.
1: <laughs> yep, <laughs> I can actually yep. feel my toes. Yep. And as you know, we we are Cage My IQ. Uh, before we get started, if you want to check out any of our content, you can go to our Twitter page, which is at Cage IQ, Facebook, which is Cage My IQ SB, and the Instagram page, which is Cage My IQ. And then with our parent co- uh, company that we uh, go live on, the Sports Box, you can go to their page and check out all the content that we have on there and then that all of our other shoes from there have on there. But tonight we will be talking about the recap of UFC Vegas 19, Derek Lewis versus Curtis Blades. Now, the, as you see in the picture that we had at the start up, the recap: the Black Beast team's blades. As you know, we everybody saw what happened. Uh, he knocked him out. Uh, we were getting to that a little bit more, but uh, w- what was your first impression, Sam, on this uh, fight card?
2: Uh, my first impression was I was eating my words because I picked Blades to win. So. <laughs> uh- <laughs> You know, to casuals, this didn't really seem like it was going to be a, a, you know, a, a big, a big fun card. It was just going to be like filler. But it, anybody who knew the names that are on this card, it did not disappoint. From the prelims on up to the last fight, it was a very exciting card. Uh, one out of ten, man, I'd give this thing about a ten. It was awesome as far as excitement. You had mixtures of submissions, strikes, uh you know, most all the fights were entertaining fights. weren't many snooze fests in there. I was very happy with this fight. I mean, with this card.
1: Yeah, I know you you were only able to catch the the main card uh, on, uh, last night, uh, Miles. But uh, you, like the undercard was very nice. I know you caught that, Sam. Sam. Uh, we saw the basically the debut of Casey O'Neil, which was nice. Uh, we saw yeah. uh, a a pretty interesting stoppage with the land where, uh, when he was getting up and then he basically cursed out the ref saying I was getting up, I was getting up. But what the, I think just thoroughly from the prelim to the main card, it was four great fights and, Absolutely. and be a, a fight night card. That's just fantastic. But, uh, before we get into the recap of the main card, uh, this week, my fight picks i went four and two actually in my the first three i was one and two and then the last three luckily i went three and oh uh and then for the three week span i am 11 and six so i'm feeling good about myself right now it, it could go <laughs> this week i could go downhill but right now i am uh i'm sitting pretty right now uh, with, with my picks uh
3: we do the math on that what is what is two and four let's see four and two that's uh out of 50%. six that's not bad that's not bad I'm that's not like bad. what uh a little over 60 percent if my math is okay if i would have
1: if i would have had an extra minute in the in my one loss i would have. i would be five <laughs> and one i feel like but uh that's near nor there but uh to go into the the first fight on the main card uh we had heavyweight, a heavyweight matchup between Tom Aspinall against Andre Olaski. Uh, Aspinall uh, defeated o- Olaski by second round uh, submission. Uh, what was your first take on this, uh, Sam?
2: First off, can I ask, wasn't this in the, in the beginning? Was this fight not the, the headliner for the prelims and it got bumped up?
1: Because it wasn't on the main
2: hmm. card, was it, in the, in the very beginning?
1: In the very beginning, it was the first fight on this. Uh, there was a there was a fight that kept on moving around. Uh, the one above it, the mm-hmm. the Imabov uh, Phil Hawes fight, was the headliner on the prelim, and then they bumped that up because I think a fight got a uh, uh, yeah the, the Chase
2: Skelly the Skelly card, which is also weird. He made the walk yeah. out to the cage, and then it got canceled. This fight, uh. I had been hearing a lot about Tom Aspinall. I listened to uh, Michael Bisping's "Believe You Me" podcast, and yeah. he often has Darren Till on there. And Darren Till trains with Aspinall, and I didn't realize just how big this guy was—six foot six. <laughs> uh, I mean, just a monster. And going into this fight, you know, Arlovski. A lot of people get starstruck when they get in there. You know, he's a legend. He's been doing it for a long time, and he's been on a—you know—just when you think he's out, he's back in. <clears throat> But uh, with this fight, Aspinall, I think this guy's going to be the real deal out of, uh, I think it was 44 total, uh, 64 total strikes. He lands 41 significant strikes. He was 37 out of 60. And and what the beauty of this guy was when he when he started to see that the striking wasn't going to get Arlovsky out of there. What does he do? He comes right out does a, a blast a blast shot, takes him down and chokes him out with a rear naked choke. He showed uh, showed that he's well rounded, he can adapt and I think he's going to be a real problem in the heavyweight division. So yeah, great fight, but Aspinall, I think he's the real deal with the right training and if he has the right management to pick his fights, don't rush him and let him slowly build like a slow burn, he'll be he'll be a force to be reckoned with in the heavyweight division.
1: Yeah. Before I get to Miles, uh just everybody watching right now, if you have any comments on any of these fights or any of your input, don't hesitate to comment and then we'll get to your we'll get to your inputs uh as soon as we're done with ours. Uh we love the feedback from the fans uh, that watch the show because that's what we do this for. We do it for you guys. But uh what was your first take on this, uh Miles? Yeah, no, this
3: was a, this was an interesting fight. I ended up breaking down and just getting uh, ESPN Plus so I could actually watch the fights because <laughs> yeah. all I was getting on YouTube were like these highlight reels that were weirdly edited to where like five seconds would be all right. And then they'd zoom in really close for no reason. It was mostly to avoid like DMCA's and shit. But yeah, it was, it was kind of unwatchable. Unfortunately, they, they really control the amount of content that goes out, especially right after a fight. So fortunately, I got to see this in its entirety. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, you know, Tom Aspinall, definitely a a young guy. He's very green. He's only got like, what, three fights in the UFC. Uh, this one was more of a challenge for him. And I don't know if you guys saw that. Um, it was like the pre-fight story, how Tom Aspinall, when he was 14, saw Arlovsky fight like way back when it was in England. And he decided like, that's what I want to do. And so, like this was a real special fight for him because that was the guy who inspired him to start training and, and get into the UFC or get into MMA in general. So that was kind of a cool little backstory. And then he choked him the fuck out. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess it's that that thing where you know you train hard enough, your uh, your idols become your your opponents. So that was, that was an interesting little backstory to this, but I mean, yeah, Espinall looks really good. I mean, he's still a young guy. He's, he's pretty tall for the division. He's got decent reach. He's fast hands. That's really the takeaway from this fight is how quick his hands are relative to the weight class. Like he, he's, he's kind of like Cyril Gunn in the sense that he moves a lot like a middleweight, you know, he's very, uh, very agile for his size. I think that's going to take him a long way, especially when we look at the other heavyweight bouts in this card And we compare sort of the athleticism and the movement and the speed of the hands and stuff. Um, It's, it's whenever you get a guy who's this big and that fast and that powerful, that tends to be good for them. (laughs) They tend to go pretty far. So I think that's going to be a big, a big asset. Um, I think right now he he's got a good strategy. They asked him like, "Who do you want to fight next?" And he's like, "I don't know. Whoever's number nine, that's that's fine with me." You know, like he's not he's not shooting for the stars yet because I think you know he might be outclassed by a few fighters in the top five. But as long as he you know starts building up star uh, strong and he he gets some good opponents, gets good experience early on, uh, yeah, I think he'll be a real threat. You know, maybe a year or two in. Once he's got, you know, maybe 10, 12 fights under his belt, yeah, he'll be in the top five for sure. And uh, I think he'll they're, they're slowly stacking the heavyweight division, and I think this is going to be one of the guys that's going to be looking at, uh, you know, maybe taking the belt.
1: Yeah, like anytime you uh, train at a gym with uh, Tyson Fury and Darren Till, you're going you're gonna to learn the, the, the strike pretty well. Uh, he, he, he has said that those two guys – have taught him basically everything he knows uh, since he's gone up to that gym, and then even the humor how he was like uh, how they asked mm-hmm. him how his yeah. his uh, uh, game is, and he was like, "What's what's that?" All I know so is they striking. were asking about the grappling. They're yeah, like, what are grappling. you gonna do he's in the, like, the ground game? Grappling. He's like,
3: "What's grappling?"
1: And then <laughs> and that. then Michael Michael Bis Michael Bisbin goes up. Oh, there's that uh tail humor right there. Uh, <laughs> and then he, he has nothing but great things to say about them. So he's definitely soaking up every little thing that he can from those two. And it shows like I know his first two fights before this didn't go past the first minute. So in in the preview episode that I uh, did uh, uh, Thursday, I made the point to say I'll be intrigued to see how he does uh, when the fight goes past the minute, because I felt like it was going to with Andre Arlovsky, because he's a veteran. Even even though I thought he was going to get knocked out, I still thought it was going to go past the first minute. I wanted to see how he did with his gas tank and how he paced himself, and he he did really well with that. And mm-hmm. like he had the 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 first half of the first uh round. He was just feeling Orlowski. He was hitting him a little bit. And then Orlowski was getting him a little bit with a few kicks. But then he had that uh, barrage of punches that he got Orlowski with. He must have thrown like 20. But then he wasn't really too tired. He did that. And then he slowed down. And then he started to be patient again. And he got hit pretty good by Orlowski. But you, you got to see that it didn't affect him too much. Then he went to the second round. And you saw him pick it back up. And then out of nowhere, which which this is the reason why I think that the submission w- w- was so fast. And then Orlowski tapped out right away. It was the unexpected takedown. He took him down, but the, he pushed him right into the back of the cage. And it looked like he hit the back of his head. And then I felt like he was out of it. Because as soon as he locked in the, the choke, he tapped out right away. So I felt like he was, I think he was seeing stars and he just tapped out because that's not the first thing that he could think of because you don't want to be seeing stars and then being tapped out at the same time. You're going to you're gonna call for it right away so you can gain your composure. And then I, I thought it was perfect for him to uh, have this fight because it, this is a guy with so much experience and he was able to fight him and beat him and it's like a stepping stone this is his signature win right now and it puts him like he was ranked 24 now but now he's going to shoot up probably to like the 14 15 rank spot now and it's going to want to fight that top 10 guy now like number 10 like like i said uh, before like augusto uh sakai or like a walt harris something in that range Mm-hmm. Because uh he's gonna want to get that next step, and once he he if he succeeds there, then he can go for that top five guy. And it's it's like a progression for him. Like he's not going right to the wolves, like so uh, Gain is, where he's two fights in and now he's already ranked number six because he he went right to the wolves. This guy has like progressed little by little. Like this was his third fight. Now he's in the top fifteen, and, I, and I've liked what I've seen with his hand speed and his striking. That's and then to see him mix it up now with the with the ground game uh, will be even better. But I know he's going to like sh- what.
2: No, not no. to comment, but like what Miles said, the heavyweight division doesn't have a lot of depth, so it yes. doesn't. It's not going to take a whole lot for him to get in there and get up. You know, mm-hmm. get in the break top ten, and you know, yeah, so. So
3: it'll be interesting to see whether or not Dana White is going to push him to go faster than he wants to. Because in the interview, he basically said, like, no, I just want to, like, have incrementally move up, you know, a little bit better, a little bit better. I don't want to jump to, like, a top 10 fight right away. But I think Dana White's going to be like, "Uh, no, you got to make me money get in there with those top 10 fighters and make me some damn money so i'm interested to see if he's going to make him kind of do a cyril gone sort of thing or if he's going to be like all right let's let the new guy you know have a few fights get comfortable and then we'll put him in a top 10 fight but i don't know i don't know i think he he generated a lot of buzz with that with that fight and so i think dana white's going to want to capitalize i think uh, he's going to want to push him and and be like come on let's let's go a little faster (laughs) Like Like, i'll
1: I'll be interested to see how that goes. like you've got two potential oh well Almost three potential future pieces in the heavyweight with him gone uh, uh, and Docus, uh, uh, which we'll get mm-hmm. to him in cool. two fights uh, two fights on here. But uh, if things are looking up in the heavyweight division. And I, I just think that they need to keep this going. Like you still got that log jam up at the top five. So mm. there's really no rush, though, because if you rush it too much, he might be sitting for a while waiting for a fight. So if mm-hmm. you take your time with him, do it this way. Have him go uh, do like a top 10 fight or maybe a guy between 10 and 15 and then do it if he wins that and then go between 5 and 10. By that time some of the logjam will be cleared up to where if mm-hmm. he wins, you can give him a good fight because he's not going to be waiting. He'll be fresh. He'll have mm-hmm. he won't be too Fatigued or too, uh, uh, like sluggish from waiting too long, just like Derek Lewis might be doing because he might be waiting yeah. a while. Uh, just uh, John Jones have, has been waiting for a year because yeah. it's that log jam effect up there waiting uh, for whoever wins this fight because Steve A has <laughs> only fought so much in the past couple years. it years, it, it's created that jam. So by that time, if you keep this going, it will be gone. The logjam will be gone, and you will have a couple of these guys there that that you can market if they win. That will make you money.
3: Yeah, I think you should. They should pair them up with another like sort of tomato can fighter in the division. Kind of like we'll we'll, we'll talk about with uh, Olenek and and Dacus. That was basically yeah, that, that was. Slow yeah i think i think they should maybe put him up against like a junior dos santos he's fallen down the ranks quite a bit i think yeah. he could realistically win that fight and dos santos just seems to be hanging out in the top 15 and just like making sure the caliber of fighter is like at a certain level at least but he's not like impossible to beat at this point he's aging out and you know a lot of guys are just like like i think for sure um uh, aspinal or not, yeah Aspinall. i don't know why I, <laughs> blank on his name but you yeah, know i think he's definitely got the skills. Got to uh yeah. to make <laughs> dos Santos cry <laughs> like, he's <laughs> definitely past that level but i don't know maybe put him against a few guys who are you know maybe older veterans who are starting to age out a little bit help build the hype up and not just chuck him straight into the top 10 right away
1: like give it give it some time yeah but uh to go from this fight to the second fight uh which i know me and uh, sam have a lot to say about this but we have had the matchup uh, between uh, a middleweight matchup between Phil horse and Nazardine Imav, where Phil Harris won by majority decision, 28, 28, 29 to 28, and then 29 to 28. Uh, Sam, what's your first impression?
2: If this fight went one more minute, Phil Halls probably wouldn't have won this fight. Um, uh, mm-hmm. You know, his wrestling saved him. But every time Emma Bob broke free, he, he was getting the best of him with the striking. It, with significant strikes in this fight, he landed 57 out of 93. That's over 61%. He, he was piecing him up, especially towards the end of the fight. If he would have started off like he didn't start off nearly as fast as he finished out the fight. Phil uh, Halls showed really good wrestling, uh, really good control. You know, he ground him down. He I think it was four out of seven for takedowns. Uh, his strikes were net, nearly as much, 31 out of 54 significant strikes. But the, the story of this one, like I said, Emov had him beat with the striking. Uh, he just didn't turn it on fast enough, guys. That's really the only thing I can say. It was an entertaining fight. Holes, like I said, he looked good, but if Emma Bob just could have kept this fight standing and stayed away from the clinch and the the grind up against the cage, Emma Bob would have won this fight. So, that, I mean, that's my take. Simple as that. Both of, them, both of them look good. I think Halls has a ways to go with his striking, and Emma Bob's got a ways to go with his grappling. He's got to learn how to, uh, you know, sprawl out of some of those takedowns, uh, get back up on his feet. So, uh, good fight, entertaining fight. Uh, I picked that one wrong, too, uh, because I went with them above, but a good fight for both of them. It's a learning curve for both, and they can look back on this fight and see just exactly what they need to work on to get better as fighters and to progress in the middleweight division.
1: What about you, Miles? Uh, this was I like this fight. I like Phil Haas. I
3: remember we uh we started talking about him early on, so he's been on my radar of of one of the people who, you know, now that I'm getting back into watching UFC fairly regularly, I now know who he is and I like him. He's he's pretty decent. He's an excellent wrestler. He's got a good good credentials for grappling. His hands are eh. The, the reason he has any striking at all is because he's strong. Like, look at the dude. He's pretty well defined. He's, he's, he's got a lot of muscles. But that's really the only reason he has striking at all. Because technically speaking, he's not all that proficient. And I mean when you saw him trying to fight uh Emovov in terms of striking, you saw a lot of wild punches and stuff like that. So I think if he tightens up his technique a little bit, really capitalizes on the natural strength he already has but just learns to use his body more effectively, I think he could be a, like a real devastating power striker. Uh right now I think he's just, you know, relying mostly on wild swings and if they connect, they're pretty freaking devastating, but you know, if he tightens up his technique, I think that would have, <laughs> that would have definitely made this fight go a lot differently because Imovov, you know, he's, he's not like the most technical striker, but he's better than Haas. And it came out in that last round. Cause he, I think he was getting desperate. I think he knew he couldn't out wrestle Haas. So he was trying to do whatever he could to keep him in striking range. Uh, Cause there, that's when he had the advantage. And uh, fortunately Haas stuck to the game plan and, and kept wrestling but yeah if he hadn't he would have he would not have been able to match uh imabov's technique so i think this this should be a wake-up call to phil hawes like he won this but by the skin of his teeth like you can't just wrestle away all your problems you know you gotta you gotta work on your striking too and it's interesting because in the pre-fight thing he was talking about like oh my striking my striking it's like dude come on (laughs) like you almost lost because of your striking so hopefully he gets the message um, and Mimovov wasn't looking too bad either. I think this should be, you know, a learning experience to go, oh, okay, maybe I need to, you know, round out my wrestling a little bit more. But then again, he, he was wrestling Phil Hawes. So, I mean, yeah. the guy is a very experienced wrestler. So, I don't know how much work you, you can really do to catch up to a guy like that. But um, no, overall it was, a, it was a pretty interesting fight. I didn't do any predictions beforehand on this one because I thought we were just gonna do news. But like going into this fight, I would have I would have bet on Phil Haas anyway, uh, just because he's he's got such a good wrestling background. Even when he is outclassed in striking, he's he's pretty good about like just putting them up against the cage and taking away their options, which isn't bad because he's good at takedowns, which means with a better striker, he can at least keep them from, you know, hitting him and gaining points. Meanwhile, you know, he's uh, showing octagon control and then hopefully he can take him to the ground and get some, uh, you know, ground control time there to catch up in the scorecards and avoid being knocked out. And that was basically his strategy here because uh, there in that last round, he got wobbled a couple of times, but fortunately he was just like, nope, just stick to him, stick to him like white on rice and you know keep capitalizing on that wrestling game and it carried him through fortunately just barely though just barely but uh, no i'm interested to see how he develops as a fighter going forward in the division Because in mean, the middleweight division is pretty stacked so i thought it was also funny in the in the post fight when, when they were like who do you want to fight next he's like uh you know i think uh the, that chris wademan guy and who was that guy uh uriah, uriah what's his name <laughs> <laughs> the number yeah. nine in the division, right? Like, like, all right, all right. I get it. You're shit talking. It's cool, but I don't know who would win that exchange. Uriah Hall or or Phil Haas. But I think uh Uriah hell's pretty. He's pretty good. I know he's he's on a losing streak, but still, I don't know how that would how that would shake down. Yeah, actually, so.
1: uh, Uriah Hall just uh beat Anderson Silva.
3: Oh, just oh, okay. I didn't see yeah, that one. On, okay. on Halloween. Oh, on Halloween, that's why I didn't yeah. see it. Okay, I was doing Halloween <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yep. but yeah. no, that'll be interesting to see how he goes. I think maybe a better matchup for him right now. It might be a Chris Wademan, maybe like a, uh, let's see, who else is in that division? Uh, maybe a Kevin Holland, if they really want to test how how much he's improved in terms of his striking, because that's that's going to be a tough one for him, especially with, with Kevin Holland being such an unorthodox striker. But I think there's some good matchups for him. Uh, he just has to to put some time in the gym and, work on those gaps in his game that he's got right now but I think he could he could be one of the people in the top 10 who's you know stacking that division
1: I think the first thing that he should do before he starts talking trash is is work on his, his gas tank and work on his his striking like he hits you hard but it's because he puts so much uh uh like force into his punching he, it, and energy like he, he when he hits you, he hits you hard. But mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of that Derek Lewis, where he he hits you with like the wide hook or whatever, and then yeah. it, when it connects, it hurts. But a lot of the time, he misses, and then mm-hmm. he goes with the takedowns <clears throat> and he puts too much into it, and that's why he allowed he basically <laughs> let Nazarine back into this fight because the first round it was all him, and that Nazarine did absolutely. Too much. Yeah. But by second round, which to Me, I'm probably the only one that thinks this, but I, I like I had the second round was a toss up for me because uh, Hawes didn't really hit him that much, and Nazardine caught him with a really good uh hook halfway through that hurt. Uh, Haas. I thought it
2: could have been an even round, yeah. too, going into three. I thought they might have been one and one,
1: and, and then but but they I think they gave, gave Hawes the uh the benefit of the doubt because he took him down but by the third round he was gassed out he like he was able to take him down the one the one the one time or the second no two times but he didn't do anything with them and mm-hmm. then by the time Nazarene got up he hit him like like really hard two shots he almost finished him and just like we said if he would have had an extra minute he he would have finished at Haas like Haas was done like he put so much energy into his first two rounds that by the third round he was done. Like he had nothing left other than the sip to lay on the guy and keep him from coming up. He was yeah. able to do that. But uh, like, I, I felt like he has a lot to work on with his game. And I felt like uh, just like the first judge, they had a 28, 28. I kind of saw something like that because I felt like he didn't do anything in the third round and he got beat badly in the third round to where it could have been a, a draw, but they, they gave it to Halls. He he is the better prospect of the two, mm-hmm. and if he can work on putting less energy into some of those punches and striking and then the takedowns and then do something with them, he will be a a, a great piece in the middleweight division. I don't think he matches up with Kevin Holland yet. Like I think he's far and away from him. Mm-hmm. And then I think he's far and away from Derek Brunson, who Holland is facing oh, yeah. in uh, a few weeks on a fight Maybe night. Weidman,
2: though. I could yeah. see him in Weidman, maybe, because Weidman's on his way out.
1: And yeah, he's, he's, he's on his way out. I think he's going to lose to Oryah Hall. I think Oryah Hall, oh, yeah. he, he's on the right track right now with what he's doing. And then that Silva uh, uh, knockout, I think is going to give him a lot of uh, uh, confidence moving forward. But I could see him like fighting uh, Weidman and then test himself with that, uh, and then hopefully make sure that he doesn't gas out again because you can't gas out against one of these guys in the top ten. You gas Mm -hmm. out, they're gonna capitalize on you. Oh yeah, and that'll be a big thing. That's why I don't know if it's like a cardio issue or something like that. Like it's It's a technique issue. It's a
3: hundred percent a technique issue because he's a wrestler. wrestlers have amazing gas tanks because that's what's required. Like if you've ever done any wrestling or any grappling in general, like that's one thing that you learn early on. I remember uh, when I was starting out in like jujitsu and wrestling and shit, I uh, started, you know, doing it a little bit with my buddy who's just a big dude. He's real strong, but, I kept choking him the fuck out. And the reason why is because at the very like first 45 seconds, he'd be all strength and all muscles. And as soon as you ride that out, it's just, he's uh, he he can't fucking keep up. So wrestlers, you know, especially when you think about like, Olympic style wrestling. If you think about uh, Greco-Roman wrestling, that kind of stuff, you need a tremendous amount of energy. But I think the problem with Phil Haas is, is it's his punching technique. That's where he's draining all his energy because he's overthrowing and he's putting a ton of momentum behind his punches. And then when they don't land, typically one of the things in striking that costs you energy is one, your breathing. That's a big one. And I think if he's not an experienced striker, his breathing is screwing him up. Two. When you commit a ton of energy to one punch and it misses, it's just you. It's just a net loss. You didn't gain anything from that. So he needs to tighten up his technique so that, one, he knows when to throw those big punches. Kind of like uh, Usman is a good example. He uses that jab a lot, but the jab, really, it's it's learning about your opponent. You're using it as a measuring stick, and you're also using it as a tool to see how his guard works. And so once you get a good feel for, okay, I think I know generally what his range is i know how he's going to react if i throw punches then you start landing those big crosses that way you're burning as little energy as you can even when you miss because you're not over committing and that's phil haas's big problem is his power is all about over committing he has to overswing because he doesn't have the technique to throw a clean punch and still have it land powerfully which i think if he gets a better striking coach he could he's a big dude he's he's pretty freaking strong just naturally it's just he doesn't know how to use his body yet for that sort of thing
1: he, he reminds me of Balrog from Street Fighter. That's what he reminds me of. (laughs) It's a big up front, but then his legs are kind of small. I'll tell you
2: another thing, thing too, not to interrupt you, Bake, those muscles don't help him all that much with the gas tank either. It reminds me a lot of Tyron Woodley. He's got all those muscles. Those muscles need oxygen, and you get to burning. I mean, I don't know if you guys noticed the size of this guy's thighs. His thighs (sighs) were freaking linebacker size thighs. Mm -hmm. You move around, it doesn't take much before those muscles start needing oxygen. And, you know, he just he gassed out. Well, that's I, why I, breathing I and striking
3: you. is so important. Your breathing is what regulates that. So if you're good at breathing, essentially what the idea is you want to take in a good amount of oxygen and then let it out as you need it. That's why you hear a lot of uh, strikers in the gym. They go, S-s-s. the whole point of that is one to regulate your breathing and two capitalize on as much oxygen as you can, instead of like <sighs> through the full fight, because then you're, you're taking in oxygen, but then you're not allowing it to circulate through your body and, and supply your muscles for when you need it. The idea is, to take in oxygen. And then as it it's in your lungs, what it's doing is it's going through and it's supplying your muscles for when you need them. And then you just let it out a little at a time, but you just got to remember to breathe. And I think that's what's, that's what's screwing him up. Cause when he goes to the ground, he's all energy, he's fine there. And I mean, if you think about it in the middleweight division, you're, you're keeping down a full sized you know, guy who trains to fight, you're holding him down against his will. That's a ton of energy. And he's got that energy, but it, it's the striking that's screwing him up. And I think he just needs a better striking coach. I don't know what they're teaching.
1: I like, him the, I like how he, he, he's he been using those leg kicks. Like he had the one mm-hmm. where he made a Nazarene fall. And I'm like, yeah. that's a good thing to add to your repertoire mm-hmm. as, as a guy like you know, for wrestling and then the power, the power striking that he's doing, you can take a little bit away from the striking, just do those leg kicks, get the guy off balance and then go for the takedown
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and then go with the, the ground and pound there. Uh, that, the. That's been a great addition to his game. I just think that he puts too much on the striking where it tires himself out. Like it's either he wins the the first, like he needs to win the first round that that's like he has to, because if he doesn't, there's really no shot of him winning right now because of him tiring out. Unless he gets lucky and he knocks the guy out in the first or second round, like that's the the obvious thing. Uh, in the first fight, he won in like twenty seconds. But this one, like he he won the first round, then question more second, and then he just was done by the third. Yeah. But uh to move on from that to the third fight, which we mentioned before, we had Chris Dawkins in a heavy heavyweight matchup against. Alexei Alynick, where he defeated Alynick by first round knockout. What is your first impression, Sam?
2: Well, first off, uh, Philadelphia. Uh, he he definitely put on for Philadelphia. That's for sure. <laughs> I knew when he was coming into this fight, Alynick's nobody to mess with. Uh, you don't want Alynick to get hands on you. You don't want, and you definitely don't want to be on the ground or against the cage with him. And he, you know, he even Dawkins had said he had got a little nervous when Olympics started to get close. Mm-hmm. But I got to say, man, he held his composure. There's not a whole lot to say about this fight, except Dawkins has power. He's another one of these heavyweights that if he's managed right, the fights are picked for him right, he could be a threat in the heavyweight division. The heavyweight division is not deep, it doesn't take but two or three. Oh, look, serial gone. He's, he's right in there fighting a, a top five guy now. And, you know, it, it doesn't take much for these guys to get up in that top ten and start making waves as long as, you know, he doesn't get pushed down your throat and crammed down our throats. And, you know, just pick his fights wisely. Get him a few more guys around his record and around his range and let him move into it slow. This guy's got heavy, heavy hands. He landed – it was – Thirty-four out of fifty-six significant strikes, no takedowns at all, and he didn't need them. He didn't need them. All he did was keep Olenek off with the jab, and then the the big knockout shot, and that's it, man. This this one was over quick. And uh, congratulations to Chris Dawkins, man. He's going to be a big. He's going to be a big a big-time player in the heavyweight division, along with uh, Tom Aspinall.
1: What about you, Miles? Mm. Yeah, this this fight was
3: also pretty interesting. You know, I see uh, at this point. Olenek, while well, he's had a long, you know, MMA career, maybe not as long in the UFC, but he's got like what is that, fifty nine and fifteen. That's Jesus, well over sixty fights, closing in on seventy. The dude's got a long career, and he's he's not bad. It's just he's aging out, so it feels like he's one of those, you know, tomato can fighters in the division that just kind of regulates quality going into the top ten. And you know, Dacus definitely passed that test, but I, I kind of saw him doing it fairly easily i mean he's got better hands and and olenic he's not great at trading punches he's a grappler that's that's really where his his skill set is and you saw early in the fight olenic was trying to take it to the ground um but dacus is he's actually got pretty decent grappling credentials himself he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt so he was able to kind of navigate his way out of that and keep it in the striking range and that's yeah just took olenic apart after that because he was not ready to stand and trade but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, for his size, he's definitely, like, a good power puncher. If, if you kind of look at his build, he's he's not as bulky, you know? He's not, like, as built up top as a lot of these heavyweights. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see... I I would personally, if I was his trainer, I'd have him doing a lot of powerlifting. you know, build up a lot of strength because he doesn't need to be bulky. I think that's an advantage that he's not, you know, this big swole dude. Uh, I think that's going to help him in the long run with like speed. And if he gets into a grappling situation, uh, typically the bigger, bulkier guys gas out when it comes to like wrestling or on the ground, unless they have that, you know, that wrestling background already. But he's got a good amount of power relative to his size and his build. So I think if he capitalizes on that going forward, and like he said in the the post fight, he was like, yeah, I don't really care who I fight next. Just like the next guy up on the list. I don't need to like get rocketed into the top five too quickly. I just want to, you know, kind of move at my own pace and, you know, improve as I go along. I think that's a great plan because it gives him a lot of time to really capitalize on the things that he's good at and look for holes in his game going forward. And I think maybe one of those holes might be uh, wrestling. I don't know how much wrestling background he has, but once you get up into the top five in the division, you've got some decent wrestlers. you got Curtis Blades. Uh, Derek Lewis isn't really a wrestler, but he's big uh alexander volkov has decent <coughs> wrestling in clinch work saril gone has decent wrestling so i mean that's i think something he would need to address moving forward but overall he did a he did a really good you know top 10 debut here and uh yeah i think he deserves that top 10 spot it'll just be a matter of pacing at this point you know what i'm saying
1: yeah and i think um for the spy, i i think it's safe to say that uh, Alexei linik probably should retire because in the past couple of fights, he's been knocked out. He, he looks slower than what he was when he came into the UFC. He's just lacking that movement. Like like he has the, the striking that was doing okay, but he, like his bread and butter <laughs> is the submission and grappling. But it seemed like Chris Starkis was able to deal with that. And then Link was just too slow to transition from ground to standing up or standing up to the ground, and Chris Darkus took advantage of it, and then halfway through the first, it just looked like Atlantic was already tired out, and then Mm -hmm. he wasn't even hit that much. He was hit once or twice before that. And then all of a sudden, you just get that outpour of uh, shots from Darkus, and he just finished him, and he just felt like he he had no answer for it. Like, he just stood there and took it until the the ref – stop the fight and i, I think it was, it's a good thing for darkest he was able to get in get out with v- v- vaguely any uh, uh like shots like he, he was put into like submission attempts once or twice and that's it like he didn't take that many shots he could probably get a fight in, in like a month or two because nothing was really done to him he can get back and get moving mm-hmm. uh, again then face uh, somebody in the top ten, like I think maybe he should face like a Junior Dos Santos, like he, somebody <clears throat> like that, because you got the top five, it's all log jam and they're they're all booked for the next month, and there's not that many guys to uh, go after. You got like Junior Dos Santos, <laughs> you could fight the the uh, probably the winner. Like he could fight Aspinall, but I think they would want to keep them apart because they have like, if they could keep winning, that's like a a, a fight that they might want in the future. So I think that like maybe Junior Dos Santos against uh, Chris Darkus would uh, work that way. You got another guy kind of like with Aspinall, uh, and him just did. they t- they fought guys that are a- that were aging that are ready to probably leave. But they're battle tested, so if they win, they get experience and they can learn from those fights. And he could do another one, and then that will jump him into the into the top ten, into uh, like that seven eight range. And then after that, he'll probably sit for like five six months, <coughs> waiting to fi- figure out who he can go with next. Like maybe maybe he's waiting for the winner of Rosenstruck and Gan. Yeah, like Maybe he waits for that, yeah, or maybe he fights the loser because the winner would jump into the top five, and a loser would be around that 7 to 10 range. So maybe he fights the loser of the main event on a Saturday. Yeah, there's options there. That's what the heavyweight division has right now. They have options up there where if you want to stay active, you can stay active, but if you want to wait yeah, because you're up there waiting for the logjam, you don't want to lose your spot you can do that too but i think these guys need to stay active compared to the veterans up top and i think i think you're going to see him booked in probably may or may or june but to uh move to the fourth fight on the card it was actually one of my favorite ones uh we had a matchup mm-hmm. between a, a feather featherweight matchup where Derek Mitter defeated Charles Rosa by a unanimous decision, 30 to 26, 30 to 27, and then 29 27. What's your first thoughts, uh, Sam? I
2: thought this, uh, I'm not sure who got performance of the night. I'm sure it was probably uh, Derek Lewis, but I thought Derek Minor should have got performance of the night. Uh, coming into this fight, Charles Rosa, you know, talked about how the Miner's ground game couldn't compete with his. Ellie <laughs> was on another level. And what a joke. Bro, Derek, Derek Miner sit there, four out of five takedowns. That's 80%. Significant strikes, 45 out of 60. Total strikes, 96 out of 117. This, and he, and he got one knockdown. But the point is, this fight was complete domination from beginning to end. They had some good exchanges. Uh, you know, a few good roles, but the only thing Rosa was doing was staying alive. Yeah. You know, he, 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 there wasn't much offense out of him. His only offense was to save his ass. I mean, Derek, Derek Miner really showed out last Saturday. He put on a great performance. He was humble in victory. You know, he, he could have, he you know, went and ran his mouth, you know, about how Rosa he, he dominated him, but he didn't. Humble guy. You know, he's he's a journeyman. He's been around for a while. But to come out here on last, you know, to be on the main card and put on such an entertaining fight and to just completely dominate from start to finish and put on an exciting fight was absolutely remarkable. I thought this was the best fight on the card as far as after it was all said and done, the most entertaining fight. And uh, kudos to Mentor, man. Uh, great performance.
1: Absolutely great performance. What about you, Miles? So this was an interesting
3: fight because it was a it was a clinic and high-level grappling. Um, I disagree that that Charles Rosso wasn't offensive. He was. The problem was his minner was better. So Rosso was was constantly looking for uh for submissions, but his whole game revolved around fighting from his back. And the problem with fighting from your back, while mostly when you go into like jiu-jitsu, right, your first, you know white belt uh, blue belt and a little into purple belt you learn a ton from your back generally speaking like you learn uh, all of white belt uh, well not all of it but a vast majority of white belt is learning submissions from uh, front guard and you're on your back the whole time and you're learning okay here's how i get to my kimuras here's how i get to my omopladas um, and my arm bars all of which rosa was trying to go for he he had multiple attempts that all the ones I just listed. Um, And they ended up in some very crazy positions. Like they ended up in 50-50 guard. You almost never see a 50-50 guard in competition because it's so like the the steps you take to get there are just sort of kind of off the beaten path in terms of what you would usually do in a competition style match. Um, So, I mean, yeah, these were two guys who were pretty well experienced on the ground. The problem with Rosa is he was trying to fight from his back but uh minner had a very top uh very dominant top heavy pressure game so he would just get into these top positions which charles rosa was like oh okay cool this is where i'm this is my home base i'm gonna try for my submissions but minner was just like no i'm not gonna let you do that and he just dominated from the top position so it came down to minner was better at top position than rosa was at bottom and i don't know why rosa (laughs) Was thinking he could maybe outdo Minner because the problem with bottom game is if you don't if you don't have successful uh, submission attempts it gasses you up pretty quick and you're not in a good position. So like if at any point you decide ah this isn't working out I better get back to my feet that's a long journey to go from your back back up to your feet into striking range that takes a lot of energy and it, and it kind of depends on the other guy making a lot of mistakes you know what i'm saying and i think michael Bisbeck, he he had a good assessment of that he was like well you know you make a couple attempts i don't think i don't think it was on this fight i think it was on the next one but he the same point stands where he's like well you know if you're on the ground and you make some submission attempts and it's just not working out for you then you might need to regroup and and you know come up with a different game plan maybe you know try to get some at least ground control and when work back to your feet soften them up with the striking and then you can try again um that that's yeah that, that would have been the, the strategy here for Rosa, but he didn't. He just kept wanting to grapple with with Minner, or at the very least, when he tried to avoid a grappling situation, Minner just took him to the ground and had his way. <laughs> like this was a very one sided fight, and it really showcased you know both of their grappling abilities, but particularly Minner. He he really you know earned that victory, um, and this was I think he had like what like thirteen minutes of ground control time. Like it was completely one sided. <laughs> So yeah, it was it was a very entertaining fight and I'm I'm interested to see where Miner goes next because we saw some some striking ability a little bit. He's not the most technical striker, but his grappling game is is something to be something to behold. So I'm interested to see how he does with the rest of the division as he moves up. Um and trying to think of some names that he might be good against, but the higher up you get in this division, the more well-rounded the guys get, you know, like your Max Holloway's, your Brian Ortega's um, I think he would have trouble with anybody in the top five for sure. Maybe someone in like, you know, bottom, bottom 10, like between the 10 rank and the 15 rank. I don't know. Um, I'm just looking at the rank of maybe an Edson Barbosa, maybe, I don't know. That's a tough one. Cause there's a lot of names here. I don't know as well. So I think that's also part of it.
1: Yeah, like what I was impressed with with him was his, the, the transition game when he would get him down, the way he was flawlessly able to transition from guard to mid guard, mid guard to guard, get him yeah. on his back, the just the all the different submission attempts that he was able to uh, to get on Arusa. He was able to do it with ease and fluently, like. He, he just looks so uh, great at doing that. Like he must've had eight to 10 submission attempts in, in that three round span. He was able to just get him down, move to whatever position he wanted to and lock something in. And I thought he had uh, the one uh, guillotine choke, but then uh Rosa got out, but then he moved. He was like, okay, I'm going to move to a different position. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to side guard, and then try and trick you out that way, and then that didn't happen. But he just, just like you said, he controlled the whole fight on the ground. the 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 whole fight was placed on the ground. But another thing that I was impressed with was his striking. He outstrike he outstriked uh, Russo like sixty eight to like fifteen, something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. And he's not known for his striking. He's known for his grappling. He had he out out of his twenty four wins. 22 of them are submission because yeah. like, he, he tries to get you on the ground and submit you. But he, like, he showed improvement in the striking game, which in the long run is going to be very good for him because you're going to have to stand up and strike with guys if you can't get them down. But it, he he's developing very well because it, it looked like he was probably going to be on his way out of the UFC. Uh, but, but now it looks like, like he's sitting good. I want to see him have a, a nice – uh, fight after this maybe like like you said like a barbosa a bryce mitchell or a shane burgos i kind of want to see him fight face shane Burgos uh, that would be that would be a good fight yeah that would be interesting <laughs> uh, matchup there and if it can, can win that then it, it'll shoot him up to the around the 10 spot and then you got all those guys like i think he's not ready for like the volkanovsky holloway Otega. Yeah, Magomed Shepard Sh- 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 or Rodriguez or Korean Zombie, but like it, you got like a guy like that he could face in Jeremy Stevens that he can uh, face that's been on a losing streak, but because he's fought all the great guys, and then if he were able to win that, that that, that would prove to us that he's there to, to face the top five guys with the grappling and then the improved striking that he's shown. But this was just a pure dominance. And then just like Bisbin uh, said in in, uh, commentary right after this, he was like, I don't care what happens after this. It was like if you go by just overall dominance and performance, this guy should have won like a fight of the night uh, or or performance of the night at least honors because he worked out uh, like dominated uh, Rossa in this. And it, it, it's crazy to think that they had a, a, a Mitter as a plus 180 in this. He was the underdog going into this. Mm-hmm. Because I just felt like with how bad Rusa was against the, the takedown, his takedown defense was just horrible going into this, and it showed because he, he was ragdolled the whole the, the whole fight. And then I went with Mitter with this because I thought he was going to be able to, to do this all all day, which he did. So I'm I'm excited to see where he goes with next and then to see who they pair him up with. Because if he can do this to somebody else, he has a bright future. But to move on to uh, the co-main event, which shocked a couple of people with the result, but I felt happy about it because I picked it right, was, <laughs> <laughs> it was a women's weight match uh, where Yana Kunitskaya, Defeated, Ketlin Vieira by unanimous decision. All three judges scored this twenty nine to twenty eight. Where, where's your first starts on this, Sam?
2: Uh, well, I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Yana came in the underdog, did she not? I
1: plus, so, yeah, plus two fifty. Oh wow. Yeah,
2: she. Well, it, I know <laughs> it was it was uh, number seven taking on number six, and I got to tell you, if if you would ask me before that fight or ask me after I thought Caitlin Vera looked like she should have been ranked way higher. I mean, uh, Kunitsky should have been ranked way higher than Vera. She, uh, she really put on a clinic in this fight. I didn't see it going that way. I don't know much about either one of these ladies, but, uh, just listening for, you know, from Bisping and everybody talk before the fight, it, it seemed like it was going to kind of be a shoe in for Vera mm-hmm. and, uh, man, it wouldn't, uh, Yana looked really good. Forty-seven out of sixty significant strikes. That's almost eighty percent connection. I mean, that's 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 really good. <laughs> I mean, she put on a good performance. Good, uh, and it was a you know entertaining fight. Every minute, every round of that fight was entertaining. Some good scrambles, some good strikes. It just bottom line, uh, Yana just pieced her up. Towards the end of the fight, uh, Caitlin was wearing it on her face. You know, she was uh, mm-hmm. she was pretty beat up. But a good fight, and got to give it to Yana uh, Kunitskaya. Sorry, I think I said that right. I hope so. (laughs)
1: What about you, (laughs) Miles?
2: Miles, what do you think? Who'd you go with on this one? You're the Uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guy.
3: I didn't, uh, I didn't know really anything about these two, to be honest, going into this fight. So I was just kind of checking out the credentials and the way people were talking, uh, talking up Vera. And I was like, okay, so if you know, if if she lives up to the hype, we should see sort of like a like a minor sort of uh, you know performance where it's just very one sided grappling. She's got the striking ability, but everybody was really talking about her grappling ability more so. Um and then Kunitskaya looks like uh she I think she, they said she was like Taekwondo, definitely like some sort of kickboxing mix.
1: She trains so, with her boyfriend Tiago Santos. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Huh, interesting.
3: But yeah, definitely, definitely she's got a good striking ability. Um and I think what happened was because the first round was was definitely uh Vera. She she did a good job closing distance, getting her to the ground, and then you know, taking away her options, looking for those submission attempts. Um, and then Kunitskaya, she made an adjustment. That's, yeah, that's very important in a fight is if you're an original game plan or you figure out like something you're doing is wrong, your ability to adjust for the rest of the fight is, is really what keeps you in the game. Otherwise, you get like a Chris Rosa situation <laughs> where it's just, it's just, you keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. And it just gets worse as the fight goes on. But Kunitskaya, you know, early on, she was like, all right, that first round, not great not great. So she made some adjustments. She was a lot more cognizant of, you know, the ranges. And and when she did go to the ground, she was like, all right, just relax, try to get to your top position. And even if you can't out grapple her, what you can do is wear her down with your striking. And that's, I think a big reason why a lot of her striking connected, even though this was mostly a grappling match is because when they were on the ground, uh, Vera was, was trying to, you know, get those submissions and trying to work to these guards that she was familiar with. Meanwhile, Kunitskaya was just like, well, I'm just going to punch you in the face as many times as I can, right? Like there in the third round when she was in uh, back control, she uh, Kunitskaya took or I'm sorry, uh, VR took her back and Kunitskaya just started raining punches in her face. Meanwhile, VR is like, all right, let me try for that, that rear naked choke. (laughs) Like she was trying, but like, it's difficult to get a choke when you're getting punched in the face repeatedly. (laughs) And that's, that's what kind of threw off her submission game was all the striking from the ground that Kunitskaya was, was it was accumulating on the cards as well so when it went to decision that was the better strategy instead of vera like trying to absorb punches and submit at the same time and as we got into the second and the third round could got better at that she got better at finding those opportunities to throw in her striking particularly right at the end of the third round she dropped those big heavy elbows open up uh, Vera's face. And there was just like blood coming out of that, that gash on her
1: forehead. That hematoma. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was,
3: it was real nasty, but that was, yeah, it was just, it was just a matter of strategy at this point. Like Vera was, was very committed to the one strategy she came into this fight with. Whereas Kunitskaya was flexible. And as the situation changed, she was able to assess what was going on and go, ah, okay. What I, what I was planning to do, maybe not the best. So let me, let me readjust and, and kind of, Go with what's happening, in uh, like according to how the fight is evolving. Let me evolve with it, and I think that's really what put her over the top here. Uh, to where it was really her striking that got her all the points on the scorecards for the unanimous decision. Uh, because if she had tried to play Vieira's game and been like, all right, let's let's try to out grapple her, kind of like what she was trying to do in the first round was match grappling for grappling, and it didn't work out. But if she had, you know, stayed in that mindset, this would have easily gone to Vieira. But she didn't. So that was, you know, good honor. That's that's exactly what you're supposed to do. And I think she's definitely earned, you know, moving up in the ranks uh, you know, as a result of this fight. And as long as she keeps that sort of flexible mindset, I think she can go, you know, pretty decently far. Uh probably secure herself a spot in the top five if you know she keeps on the right
1: path. Speaking of Bloody uh, Beast, here's a picture of her <laughs> at her uh after she was being attended to after the fight because it happened in the last thirty seconds, yeah, uh, where she got elbowed right there, and then it was just that big hematoma, which was just nasty. But uh, like just like you said, like she, she was going with the Derek Miller uh, attempt where she was taking her down, and then going with the that route, and it started out well. Uh, in the first round, but then, like you said, uh, I think Kanetsky made the adjustment. She was like, if she's gonna take me down, like she did pretty well, defended it uh, for the most part in the first couple rounds, where she would hold her back the first time. She held held her at bay, but then she got taken down. But once every time she got taken down, I think Kineskaya, uh was on her back for 10 minutes of the fight. 10 of the 15 minutes, she was on the on her back. But Vieira wasn't doing much of anything when she got her down. She didn't really throw any punches or uh, make her work. She was just trying to, like you said, lock in a submission or move uh, from guard to side guard. But every time she was doing that, Kanitskaya was just – punch and punch and punch and hit her with the elbow punch she, she just kept uh, active she was just adding all those striking to the scorecards and the scorecard at the end was like 178 to 16 yeah something crazy when you're when you have somebody on their back for 10 or the 15 minutes and you can only get 16 strikes mm-hmm. that's a problem mm-hmm. and and then you had people that were like how, how did she lose when she had her on her back the whole time? It's because she wasn't active with it at all. Like he, it, it was kind of like the Curtis Blades effect, but the difference is Curtis Blades was able to take down Volkov 15 times. That's a big yeah. gap. <laughs> like That's uh-huh. huge. And, and he just kept – he let him up, take him down, let him up, take him down. And then he added a little bit of striking into there. But Vieira, she took her down I think three times, four times. And she stayed down, but uh, Kanitskaya was okay with it. She was like, okay, I'll just keep hitting you because you're not doing anything to me. And then I'll just keep adding on the scorecard because it's going to be in my favor because uh, the takedown isn't as heavily favored as it used to be. It's, it's more 50-50 now. And I'm going to – even in the first round, they gave it to Vieira, but Kanitskaya had her in the first round 58 strikes to three. And wow. and she lost the first round. <laughs> Second round, uh, Kunitzky had it sixty eight to six, and then she had the third round. I think the same uh, same thing, like fifty six to like uh, seven. She dominated in striking because she just yeah. kept on being active. She knew what she needed to do. And then at the end of the third, when you kind of could have been like, oh, is it this or that? She came in. She reversed the guard. Had Vieira on her back and then hit her with a couple of elbows and then started like striking her and she got her Vieira all bloodied up and then right before the the bell rang and then of course they gave it to Kunitskaya and now now that she has won this she'll probably get that top three matchup which it's going to be interesting to see what they do with it because I was looking at the the top five. And Nunez is fighting uh, Megan Hamilton. Megan Ham- Megan Ham- Hamilton next Anderson. week. Anderson. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, Anderson. But you got Holly Holm who just got announced. She's going to be fighting uh, Pena, so that's the two five matchup. And I think Irene Aldana is fighting Aspen Lad next month, which is the the three four matchup. So that leaves a uh, number one ranked Jermaine De- Day. Rondamine as the only person up there to face mm-hmm. uh, right now, so maybe they book that just because she has no one to fight. Uh, do we do uh, a and Day R- R- Randamine, or she just sits and waits to see what happens with a couple of these fights that are going to happen? Because she, this was a pretty good performance from her for the fact that she was on her back most of the time. Like I was mm-hmm. impressed with how she was was able to work on her back because she like she adjusted and got the win just because she out that the, the striking difference was so crazy that how do you go against her in, yeah. in, on the scorecard like one seventy eight to sixteen like you can't <laughs> bet you can't bet against that or be like I'm gonna have her uh, go with the loss like mm-hmm. how can you do that that's a hundred and sixty strike difference. And all Vieira did was take you down four times, and sat on her, basically. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like the like I like I, I felt good about it. Like I told Sam, like if, if she lost, that they would have gave Kanetsky a, a loss. I would have just stopped watching. I would have just <laughs> went yeah. to bed. It would have been pointless at that time because you would have been uh, d- d- putting out the wrong. Uh, uh, output there like oh yeah she outstruck her but because she took her down three times we're giving her the win because she had to. because there's difference between controlling her on the ground for 10 minutes and controlling them on the ground and doing something with it like if you're just laying on them you're not doing anything you're just laying on them (laughs)
2: She was just laying and praying, man. That's she wasn't doing anything, bro. Yeah, she was
1: just minimizing what was going to happen to her, which she wound up not doing that, because as you see with the bloody face that she had right there. <laughs> but uh, mm. like it's a good thing for Knitskaya. She's she wants to get into that top three spot now. Like she's going to go from seven. I'm going to say she moves to like three or four, and then at least
2: at least four I think yeah
1: Yeah. you're gonna have you're gonna have two of those women in the top five that are gonna lose they're gonna go uh, right behind her unless it's like a really uh, great matchup Uh, and then uh, like she's gonna sit there and either wait or get Jermaine randomine who hasn't fought in a little while but I think since she fought Nunez and lost she hasn't fought mm -hmm. since then last year that (laughs) that's the perfect matchup to meet uh, to, to make then Give her that fight, and then if she does good there, then off to the races. Because you know how Nunez has been uh, defending both belts. She's the only one that's been doing it since Cejudo retired. Those two are the only ones that have done it, and um, which is good. Like like I'm glad she she said she was going to defend both, and she goes back and forth between them. Which is I think why then when you look at the pa- the rankings for the divisions, they actually combine the the bantamweight and the featherweight with the women's yeah. because she, she defends it against both of them. So it's like, yep. she's, she's almost beat uh, like the whole top 10 almost, <laughs> but uh not to waste too much time on this one, but now we're going to move into the the main event that we got right now, which was Derek Lewis, uh, who defeated curse blades by second round KO. And this wasn't just a KO. This was a, crazy KO mm-hmm. like like bad but uh what's your first uh thoughts of this uh Sam all
2: right before we go any further guys I I feel like I need to to say this stat Derek Lewis landed seven strikes period throughout the whole mm-hmm. fight yeah seven strikes uh zero submissions zero takedowns seven strikes that's it that's all it took for this guy To completely obliterate a top five contender. Curtis Blades was winning this fight. He looked good. But the main thing that impressed me even more than the knockout with Derek Lewis. Blades was zero for three on takedowns. Lewis is getting better with the takedown defense. This is a different fighter than when we saw him fight Daniel Cormier for the belt. Derek Lewis is going to be a He's going to be a force to be reckoned with. He keeps getting better. And I just can't, I can't quit saying it. Seven strikes and he won that fight. Mm -hmm. And it only took one. The sad part about this fight, and I I was telling you about this, uh, Bakes, this should have been a number one contenders fight, man. This is what I'm talking about with them jamming up divisions, predetermining fights. And like you had told me, all right, you know, yeah, John Jones is supposed to get the winner of Stipe and and Ngannou. What if Adesanya wins? Why would John Jones not go back? And, and That's the fight people want to see. What if,
1: what if he uh, dominates uh, Jan Jovovich and then he calls yeah. out Jones? How do you not book that? Put that? It, it's just not
2: fair that this guy put on the performance of a lifetime, and after the fight, the, post, the post-fight the press conference, he's talking about fighting Alistair Overeem. And that's, who, that's who his call-out was. He said he wanted to fight Alistair Overeem because he's a legend. And – Alistair Overeem doesn't want that fight. It, I mean, <laughs> no. Derek Lewis, the, this guy should be fighting the winner of that fight. That's so unfair that the UFC does this with their bullshit matchmaking. I mean, it, it just blows my mind the the way that the way that Dana White and Sean Shelby, you know, pro- project these fights. I mean, John Jones hadn't fought in forever, and Ganu and Stipe. I mean, Stipe hadn't fought since he beat DC. That's almost what a year and a half. <laughs> I mean, this this is absolutely ridiculous, man. Derek Lewis put on the performance of a lifetime, and that punch he threw. Now, granted, that was a hard uppercut. That was half of what he's got. He 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 didn't sit down and throw that. He just called him in with the. He was going for the shot, and he hit him with an uppercut. And he flattened that man out. Derek Lewis should be fighting for a belt. He, he put on a, a hell of a performance a gr- and, and game planning. You think he didn't practice that uppercut a thousand times, knowing Blades is a wrestler and he's going to go for the shot. And the fact that he shut the takedown all three times, he shut the takedown completely down. Der, uh, big props to Derek Lewis, and it's it's just a shame that they're going to set up some bullshit fight with him and Overeem, or he'll end up having he'll end up having to fight down instead of fighting up in the rankings, and that that's just a, that's insanely stupid matchmaking to me. So I'm sorry, I've been building on that one, fellas. Uh, Miles, <laughs> what do you think, buddy?
3: Uh so props to Derek Lewis for the win. That was that was. A good fight for him. Um, however, I still think Curtis Blades was the better fighter. And here's the problem. I think the fight was more uh, Curtis Blades fucking up than it was Derek Lewis being amazing. Because here's the thing. I think Curtis Blades was too anxious for the takedown. I think he was trying to rush it, trying to get into that wrestling range. And and I think it was probably his coach was like, you got to wrestle the guy. You got to wrestle him because your wrestling is better than his wrestling. And you can just wrestle, wrestle your way to a fucking win. But the problem was he wasn't setting up those shoots. He wasn't setting up those entrances. And so every time, Derek Lewis was like, no, we're not going to do that. And he would just hit him. But I think if Curtis Blades had instead worn him down in the legs, had been delivering a lot of heavy calf and 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 leg shots, he would have worn down Derek Lewis. And eventually, he could have set up something to make that wrestling happen. But instead, he was just too eager. He would just kind of go in with very little setup, very little, you know, Especially that last takedown attempt, the one that got him knocked out, he literally just ran in. Like, he was like, Oh, I see a takedown attempt. And then Derek Lewis punched him in the face. And that's exactly what he deserves for that bullshit. Like, what the fuck was that? You know? <laughs> like, I mean every time it was just it was just a bad game plan. That's what it was. I think if Curtis Blades had spent the first round leg kick, leg kick, leg kick, leg kick and then you know trading some hands because he did have really good evasion. He did have, you know, the ability to kind of weather that storm, but then he would go for the takedown attempt and that's where he incurred the most damage was these half-assed takedown attempts. And I think if he had spent that first round really kind of beating up Derek Lewis with the hands and using his his movement and his his evasion, and then gone into the second round and kind of wore him down like for about half the round, and then started setting up more intelligent wrestling attempts, more intelligent takedown uh, attempts, this would have gone very differently. Because Derek Lewis, he does have a ton of power, but he doesn't have Curtis Blade's agility. He doesn't necessarily have the same sort of evasion ability. Like when you see him strike, he's very powerful. And when he connects, it it's devastating. But when you watch him strike, he's not the most technical striker. So Derek Lewis should have been capitalizing on those holes. Like that's where the game plan should have been. Not just, oh, I got to wrestle him. Because that was, it, it was like a double-edged sword for him because you know Derek Lewis obviously he was training to you know stuff those those wrestling and those takedown attempts and the main way he would have done that was with his striking and Curtis Blades just played right into his hands it was just bad training i don't know if his coach taught him that or, or i don't know what why he was going in with these like really weird not well set up takedown attempts but that's what cost him the fight um, I don't know if the, if, the, if we see a rematch in the future and Curtis Blades has a completely different game plan, then I think this would be a far closer match. Um, and it might actually go the other way. But no, I think, I think Derek Lewis prepared well for this fight. Curtis Blades didn't. And if, if Derek Lewis keeps this momentum going and he keeps training well, and he keeps preparing effectively for his, for his next opponents, he even called out Stipe. He wants that fight. He's like, Oh, I love them wrestlers. And if stipe's not careful and he does the same thing Curtis blades did, then he's going to lose the same way. So it's just, it's a lesson to like any sort of high level wrestler in the division thinking like, Oh, I can just out wrestle these guys because typically heavyweights have a gas tank problem when it comes to ground fighting and wrestling. And so if you have like a very, you know, varied uh, background in terms of grappling and wrestling, uh, you you tend to think, oh, I can capitalize on that because all these other heavyweights are going to gas out. Well, that's not necessarily true if you don't mix your grappling and your striking in a way that makes sense and you're just kind of running in for these takedown attempts. You're going to keep eating these big punches, especially in the heavyweight division. Like That's sort of the thing that they all have is they're big dudes and they can hit pretty fucking hard. Yeah. And the higher up you get, the bigger the power differential. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I think if Derek Lewis really keeps working on his his wrestling and his his ground defense or his takedown defense – uh, that's going to carry him a long way because he's already got the power. I-, I think he just needs a little bit of a tune-up in terms of technique so that he's not like swinging as wild. It kind of looks a little, a little sloppy yeah. sometimes. But just some small adjustments in his striking game and and keep working on that takedown defense. He could easily, you know, carry this well into the top three. Pot- potentially even have a realistic shot at
1: the belt. Yeah, uh, I think the the big thing with this was the fact that he. Like I think he played curse plays for a fool in this fight. Then that's what I just think because they interviewed him right afterwards, and they were like, "What did you do to prepare for this fight?" And he said, "All I did was like I knew who was going to go for the takedown, so I was going to throw the the uppercut every time he was going to do it. He was like, I, I knew that he, he couldn't help but want to go for the takedown, yeah. and th- my game plan was to throw the the uppercut to uh, to challenge that." and to go for the knockout. I'm not going to really go for anything else because I know this is his bread and butter is constantly go for the takedown. You start the first round in the first uh, 30 seconds at the 32nd mark, he clips him in the face and he stuns bleeds. Not like with the knockout, but he stuns him. Like he didn't catch him fully, but he got him. And <clears> from there on out in the first round, he kind of stayed away from the, uh, the takedown. Like he was like, Oh, he caught me. I'm gonna go away from that. And then that's when you saw Curtis Blades go with a greater, with a better uh, game plan. He adjusted, he was like, I can't do this, so I'm gonna go with the leg kicks and the striking. And the leg kicks were vicious against Lewis. He was he, at one point he, he, him with the leg kick, and Lewis fell down yeah. and fell back. And then that's when he, he could have went maybe for a takedown then or. Go for a for a strike, but I think he was a little bit too passive when he hit him with the leg kick. He didn't go after him. He wasn't going in for the kill. He was too much of a pacing himself. But whereas with Derek Lewis, he was throwing those shots. But what I liked about Derek Lewis was he was pacing himself. He was mm-hmm. on himself like he always does. He like he has the nutritionist is. He looks a lot leaner than he was. This is probably about the leanest he's going to be, but he looked great. Mm-hmm. And then he had a certain game plan and he stuck to it. And he didn't veer away from it because he felt like that's what he needed to do because he knew that Blades wasn't going to pass up a takedown. The second one, he stuffed him. And I think it was the beginning of the second round. He stuffed mm-hmm. him. And then uh, Blades went back to the kicks, but then all of a sudden he goes for the third one, uppercut. He didn't even get the full uppercut. It was like he got him with the fist, and he basically like just forced him down. And then because Herb Dean w- was too far away at the time, he got those two uh, punches in at the end that people are talking about. Like, oh, why, why did he get those two fatal shots and he could have done damage? It's because right. Herb Dean was out of position. And as a fighter, you got to keep going until the ref tells you to stop, Mm -hmm. because anything could happen. He, the you could stop, he could could have it continue, and the guy could get up, or the guy or whatnot. And sucks for Blades because he was out unconscious for two minutes. Yeah, and and now now with this loss, he was potentially going for a title shot, but now he's gonna now he's gonna have to fight back from this. And I don't know where they're gonna have him go next. Maybe the the winner of Gone and Rosenstruck or the loser, who knows? Like mm-hmm. he, he was one away from the shot and now he now he has to reset. But he should have kept going with the leg kick game and then striking afterwards because he would have eventually uh, killed Derek Lewis's legs with, uh, with bruising. With how vicious those kicks were, like he was he was dropping him down like a, like a tr- like a tree, like an axe to a tree. With every time he kicked him, like it was that bad, and for him to, to have too much uh want to for, go for the takedown, even though he knew that Derek Lewis was uh, defending it. Like he, like that was his one focus. Like he didn't care what happened to him, as long as he saw the the takedown come, so he could throw the uppercut. And then, you know Derek Lewis, he's the one guy that even if he's losing, he he can come back from anything and just knock you out. That's why he, he leads the heavyweights with that. What was it? Uh, Thirteen knockouts. 13 knockouts now he like he 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 set the record uh last fight and then he's just adding to it and now he's sitting in that position like you say where he has to wait now because or because john jones of course is being gifted the title shot yeah even though i think he should win a fight like like i would want to see derrick Lewis and john jones because john jones needs to to me prove himself first
2: uh, I think had- that Blades and John Jones would be a good match.
1: The wrestling, oh, would, I yeah, thought. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but now Derek Lewis is going to be sitting for a while, unless unless they go and you have you give him the loser of Stipe and Nagano, and then of course John Jones gets the winner. If mm-hmm. you do that, I'd be okay with that because at least you're booking him a uh, top three guy there, Let's like, say. And, and-
2: and Lewis said that the main reason he don't want to fight, uh, he didn't he because he don't want to go five rounds. He said that in the post the post fight, he, you know, he, he'd rather fight three round fights even if he's not fighting for a belt. He said he'd rather fight uh, three round fights instead of five round
1: and he, he did a five yeah. rounder. He did it his way, and he he yeah. won it in the second round. So <laughs> you know, and he, like other than the leg kicks, he didn't take too much damage. Because he didn't get taken down, and then he didn't get—he sh- got struck, I think, a couple times, but they weren't that bad. The bad mm-hmm. thing was that one leg kick that—that that basically dropped him down. That—that that was it. But like, give—give give him like a couple weeks, he'll be good to go. Train wise, so you know, you, you wait until the fight and next at uh, the, the end of March happens, and then. You'll have a better idea of who he's going to be able to fight next, but I, I, I think it could be uh, Stipe, because I, I, I'm going to predict uh, right now unless they see something differently. I might see Nagano winning. To, and then you got Nagano versus Jones, and then you book Lewis against Stipe, like, like you said, and you get that wrestler matchup for him again, and then which would be perfect. You, you book those two, and then it kind of leaves uh blades to go fight the winner of uh gane and rosenshirk which i would hope gane wins that then you could have Mm blades against sir gane that would be a nice matchup yeah 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 but uh you got just like we said before you got a lot of options in the heavyweight division to where uh you can book certain ways if a guy that you thought was going to win loses like they got a lot of ways that they that they get, go with this but it was a perfect game plan to me by lewis sticking to his guns with what he was gonna do and then kind of a lazy uh, uh game plan by blades because mm-hmm. one thing didn't work and he just kept pressing it uh here and there whereas the one part of his game that was working it just kept going away from it you should have stuck to it. He would have eventually worn down Lewis with the leg kicks right. to the point w- to where he can't defend the, uh, the takedown. Then you go for the takedown, but because he has yeah, to I go, mean, to- even
3: if you just set it up better, like yeah. that's the thing. Yeah.
1: Cause anything,
3: <laughs> <Eric> Lewis, <laughs> anything that what he did, right? Yeah. Cause like Derek Lewis, they're like, what was your strategy? I'm just going to uppercut him when he tries to take me down. That's not a strategy. Yeah. That's that's like a technique, you know, <laughs> like, so the minute that it doesn't go that way, that uppercut doesn't really account for much. Like I was, I was teaching the other day. I have a student who I teach, um, you know, combatives too. She's been through some, some shit and so yeah. she wanted me to teach her. And I was talking to her about setting up kicks. You never just throw a kick, even in the ring. That's a really bad idea because the minute that kick a doesn't land, you're out of position B, if it does land and they catch it, if they're a grappler, you're going to the floor because you're on one leg. So it's it's the same thing with wrestling. If you just charge in, then yeah, you can get punched in the face and that's not going to work. So if if Like if Curtis Blades had even just thought a little bit about him and like, okay, well, what if I like wear down that front leg? He's going to eventually have to switch his, his, his guard and he's going to be fighting Southpaw, which, you know, maybe he's good at, maybe he's not. But over time, if I wear on the leg, I wear on the body, I wear on the head. He's going to strip up when he overthrows one of those big shots. I can slip. And then there's my body luck. There's my back take. Then I can take him to the cage. But he was just like, no, nah, I'm just going to run in. Like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> it was,
2: it was I like- think, honestly, he he just underestimated uh, the, the, you know, he thought it would be a lot easier wrestling Derek Lewis than it really was, you know?
3: I mean, it just showed he was like, unflexible in that fight because he didn't think like okay the very first round that should have been when he's like okay I can't do that I can't just rush yeah. in because he's prepared for that he got I hit the first more... time
1: he got hit the first time right away he thought that would have been the the wake up call oh he almost knocked nope. me out there <laughs> the to do that he was like a it was like the running of the bulls with how he was no. going for the takedown he would just put his yeah. head down go like he normally does with the normal guy you could do that but Derek Luce is a big guy mm-hmm. and if he's going for the uppercut, he's going for the uppercut, and then as soon as he did that, I would have been like, "Okay, I'm, 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 I'm not, doing, away from that I'm not yeah. doing that again. I'm not doing that again because I almost <laughs> just lost it. Go for the leg kicks. Oh, I'm having success there, but you know what? Let me go away from that because I got to go for the takedown. And it was Jesus, just, yeah, it was it was bad. just bad. And then like, you know, he needs to learn from this. It was kind of funny they his wife or whoever like did like a little thing on Twitter where she was asking him about the fight. He was like, he was like, it was like a ham a ham to, to the nail, and he must have had like a concussion because he was like, I was the ha- the the hammer and then he was the nail, and she was like his wife was like, Don't you mean you're the nail and then Lewis was the hammer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was like, Yeah, wow. yeah, and he was like, I I got knocked out, blah blah. But,
3: that was a pretty bad knockout too. Like if you if really you notice what flattened happened,
2: him out before he laid down, he was flattened out as he fell. He was, stiffen was like stiffening board. up. It was a like punch, that, and then he yeah.
1: and then he pushed him down with the punch. And then he was down, but the the, the reason he was unconscious was the boom boom stop. <laughs> well, I mean <laughs> that, that
3: knockout in in particular, like whenever you see people get knocked out, they do one of two things. Either yeah. they ragdoll and they kind of go limp or they stiffen up the stiffening up is associated with more severe concussions because what yes. they believe happens is your brain twists inside your skull and then it yeah, overextends absolutely. your brain stem. And then with, with the, with the stiffening up, they call that um, I think it's fencing behavior. It's yeah. what you see in babies when they kind of like stiffen their arms up. That's not fully understood why that happens, but they do associate it with like, Oh shit, you've actually like fucked your brain up pretty bad here. And that's why it took him so <laughs> yeah. long to revive. Cause man, he got, he got rocked, but again, he, he didn't there. do anything to stop it. He just ran in yeah. and then he just, Lewis happened to catch him right on the chin, right where it needs to happen. Because usually those chin shots, they cause the head to to snap. And then as you try to recenter your head, that's what causes the brain to
1: twist. It wasn't wasn't Um, like this. It was going up too. He he got him... Like it was going ready. down,
2: like yeah. like a stomach punch almost. And yeah. he, he put his head right into it. He and but it was, he did it the first time, and he didn't yeah. learn. It's like crazy. it was kind of
3: a weird uppercut too, because he didn't even necessarily catch him plush on the knuckles. It was like kind of half knuckle. I said. It, 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 it didn't even look, look like he, he didn't
1: sit down on it or nothing. And it was he like just... it was like he's getting ready to do like the Ryukin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was like he was for <laughs> yeah. that, the and, and then he was getting ready to go up, but he caught him. And he won the fight. And then now he's the guy who's uh, moving on for like, uh, like in the, into the top three now, where his prize is to sit on his ass now, because now he has to wait and mm-hmm. see who John Jones gets to fight instead of him. Like, that, mm-hmm. that's that's just like you said, that's what I hate about this is like he, he's been in the division the whole time. He's worked his way up to this point just for a guy to go up from light heavyweight, even though john jones is is a beast he, he's but a he's
2: unproven but he's
1: unproven in the heavyweight division he's proven in the light heavyweight division True. but he's not proven here he should have a a, a fight like a fight in a uh, fight to get that title shot hmm. Whereas and lewis has, Bruce,
2: been, lewis has yeah. been there fighting yeah. hard this whole time and you we know, talk he about lost that, his title shot and now he's getting his another he's had to work himself back up he earned and it, it
1: wasn't it wasn't to me it wasn't really a true title shot because he took it on uh, Short a few notice. days news because the guy that for me it was supposed to fight got hurt and then lewis was like okay i'll step in because i think he had fought a couple weeks before that mark hunt and, yeah and then
2: didn't uh, he fight mark
1: hunt it was Mark Hunt, or I think it was... Yeah, because it wasn't right after the, the shock and win. Well, maybe it was the shock and win against Volkov where he pulled right, it out yeah. of his ass. And hmm. then he got, he got... It was one of the two, but he took it right away, and then that was when he was really big, but now he has the nutritionist where he does a lot of cardio. He, he, he slimmed down, and he's changed his game a little bit. It's still the, the, the power punch game, but he's added some kicks and some knees. You saw that in the fight too. You saw him do a couple of those knee, knee ups to where he was keeping blades at bay a little bit mm-hmm. uh, at time. Like, like he's improving and uh, he, Absolutely just, is improving. he just, just like Miles said, he just needs to improve like the, the, the striking, like not just over strike uh, too much. Like if he can get the accuracy with it, it'll be even deadlier, which is scary Because if if we could get a better Lewis than we have now, Mm -hmm. I don't want to face him. I'd, I'd still
2: love to see him and Ngannou fight and actually fight the last time they wouldn't throw. Nobody wanted to be the first one to get hit. Yeah. I would love to see Lewis and Ngannou, man.
3: I think if Lewis kind of adopts a like a like an Usman strategy, where he uses his striking and and keeps him at bay with, because I mean his jabs even are pretty pretty heavy. Yeah. But if he uses that to set up these bigger power strikes without having to rely on like just generating momentum by swinging your arm as hard as you can, I think he'd he'd be definitely a big threat, especially in the Absolutely. top three. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how he moves forward from here. Because if if he's sitting on his ass, that's a lot of time to improve. Right. That's a lot of time to build on the things you're good at and try to cover the holes of what you're not good at. So I guess it'll depend on, you know, his training camps from here on out, how much he improves while he's waiting for that next fight. Um and once he like knows who that opponent is, hopefully he gets enough notice to build a better game plan rather than, you know, if he tries to take me down, I'll uppercut him. That's I mean it worked out this time, but like going forward, I think that's a little too rudimentary. You
1: know? Yep. But uh, before we uh, get ready to go, because we're done uh, recapping uh, UFC Vegas 19, do you guys have anything to say before uh, we head out?
3: Not too much. Um, Good to go. Check out
1: my stuff, with
3: the Laughs and Rec podcast. I got audio episodes every week, except for this week. I'm planning to to go back to school to become a teacher. So I was I was busy doing that, but uh, we are going to do. You go. uh, <laughs> it's a good
2: job. Congrats!
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm excited about it. it. Should be fun. I'm going for uh, fourth to eighth grade core subjects, and then once I have a little experience, I actually I really want to teach high school history, like world history nice. type stuff. That's that's my passion. But, um, yeah, this week we are doing a live stream, though, on Thursday, 5 p.m. Central. Um, It's twitch.tv at the Laughs and Rec Podcasts. Instead of the ampersand, just put and. uh, You'll find me. Uh, We're going to be talking about conspiracy theories and current events this week. So it's gonna be good. Start off with a little bit of uh, how pissed I am at our at our Texas leaders for how they handled the whole freezing uh-huh. everybody out, and then Ted Cruz goes to Mexico. Yeah, bullshit. Ted Cruz went to Mexico. Oh man, <laughs> that pissed me off so yeah. bad. But we'll start with that, and then we'll get into some some fun YouTube conspiracy theorists, and just see how far down that rabbit hole we go. Um, and then yeah, yeah, just uh, check that out. It's gonna be a lot of fun.
1: And then uh, how about you tell us about uh, the devil's advocate articles that you've been writing at uh, Sam.
2: Oh yeah, I man, you guys, uh, you know, I, I do opinion based and recaps and covers of a uh, UFC and Bellator shows. You can find me at what the uh, uh, Like I said, my articles are devil's advocates, what they're all labeled. Uh, check me out and hit me back up. You got, you know, any opinions or, you know, just let me know what you think. And you can always find me here at, uh, with bakes at cage, my IQ. whenever he has me, I'll always be here guys. So.
1: Yep. And then, uh, for me, uh, you can uh, catch me. Uh, here's a preview for Thursday. Uh, me and my buddy, uh, Jim, uh, from the, the active key geek podcast he's been my go-to guy on thursdays to uh preview the the fight night cards uh it's just been a thing that i wanted to add to bring the breakout more content uh we pre-record episodes on thursday and then i release release it around thursday night at like seven eight o'clock uh so that you can catch them on youtube but me and him are gonna uh preview ufc fight night rosen struart first gane which is going to be a really uh, great uh, heavyweight matchup this saturday just like we just had with lewis and blades and it's going to be another wrinkle into that top five of the heavyweight division that we're going to add because right now i think i think rosenstruck is four or five and then gane is actually number six I thought seven, he was number eight. seven in the division oh seven I yeah. thought he was number eight or nine but he's actually seven so if he were to win that he would move into the top five and that's just like I said before uh, to add another guy sitting waiting uh mm-hmm. for a shot because of that log jam up up top but uh you can catch that on, on Thursday uh, around seven o'clock uh, when we post it onto YouTube. I'll post it on all all the socials uh, on uh, on the YouTube channel will be on up uh, right away. Then I'll post it onto Twitter. I'll post it onto the Facebook. But you can you can find all of our stuff uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and even Instagram. Just go to uh, Twitter at Cage I cage iq facebook is cage my iq sb and then instagram is cage my iq and then youtube is also cage my iq so just give us a follow subscribe to our pages for our content you can now you can see the devil's advocate articles on the on the facebook page and then i'll share it to the group as well But thanks for tuning in, guys. That was a recap of UFC Vegas 19. Uh, We're moving on. Uh, We got another thing I want to say before we uh, leave. We're going to be doing a collab uh, next Thursday with uh, the other uh, fighting uh, podcast on here. I think it's called Fighting Words. Uh, We're going to do a collab uh, preview of UFC 259 next Thursday Thursday at 8 o'clock. We're going to preview that because there's three title fights uh, just in the top three and then the other two fights are no slouch either. So it's going to be a lot to cover, which is why we're going to do a collab show. So you got a lot of people with a lot of opinions because it's going to be a huge show uh, Mm -hmm. on, uh, I believe it's March 6th. So yeah, uh, look six. out. So look out for that next Thursday at eight o'clock, and then ne- of course next Monday we're going to review the fight night card from uh, that's coming up this Saturday. So I'm your host Steve Bake We got my co-host Miles Long, and then we got Yo. Sammy Moore. Uh, see you guys on Thursday. See you. Peace.
3: Later. <laughs>
0: thank you for watching this episode of cage my IQ on the sports box please remember to follow us on all of our social media outlets on Facebook at sports box show Twitter at sports box show Instagram at the sports box show find us on YouTube and join outside the box our Facebook sports discussion group the sports box is brought to you by our sponsor showcase sports in Hamilton showcase sports for the elite athlete and also our friends over at Crowdplay. Download the free Crowdplay app today and use promo code the box at sign up for 10 free points. Thank you for joining us.